0: Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Well, have a seat. Good morning. And well, just so you know, this is our last teaching from the book of Habakkuk. We've made it. And I thank God that uh, it's been such a blessing to go through this book in this season. We couldn't have planned this by ourselves. It was totally God thing. And I thank God that, that we've learned so much from the book of Habakkuk in the last couple of months. And so last Sunday, I branded a kind of a recap, a summary from the book of Habakkuk. And we, we learned about how when we see evil all around us, looking at the book of Habakkuk, how do we respond to evil that we see in the world around us? And we we learned that we have to learn to give it to God, that we have to listen to God and trust in God. And the truth is, we cannot do those things unless we understand who God is. And today, my desire, this is the last lesson from the book of Habakkuk. My desire is for us to look at the book of Habakkuk and, and see what we learn about the character of God in the book of Habakkuk. So we want to look at God through the lens of Habakkuk. And the truth is, the proper understanding of the character of God affects every aspect of our lives. It transforms us when we see God for who He is. And we cannot give to God unless we believe that the Lord is faithful. We cannot give it to God unless we believe that the Lord is righteous. We cannot give it to God unless we believe that the Lord is just. We cannot listen to God unless we believe that the Lord speaks to us. We cannot listen to God unless we believe that the Lord has a desire to communicate to us. We cannot listen to God unless we believe that God has something profound to speak to us. We cannot trust God unless we see that God will never, never leave us nor forsake us. We cannot trust God unless we believe that His ways are higher than our ways. We cannot trust God unless we believe that the Lord loves us. With this everlasting love so our desire today is to look at God's Word and see what we learn about him okay and before we go there I want to I want to zoom out a little bit I want us to look at these th- there are four questions that are very philosophical in nature and we're kind of put together by much more smarter people than I am okay and the four questions that every human being has to answer every human being has to answer these four questions and they are origin meaning. Morality, and destiny. Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. These four questions, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, you have to answer those four questions. And the truth is, we see these four questions in Habakkuk's mind. We see him wrestle with these four questions in this book. And my desire is to go through this book and see how we learn about who God is as we wrestle wrestle through these four questions. And the first one, origin, I don't want to spend much time talking about the origin because I believe that all of us here, believers, we believe in Genesis 1-1 that God is the creator of all things. That He is the initial cause before anything took place. That He was there before the existence of time, space, and matter. That He created time, space, and matter. And we also believe in Genesis 1.26 that He made man in His image. That we, you and I, are made in the image of God in his likeness so i don't want to talk much about that but i want to show that in habakkuk we see him acknowledge that ga- that god was there from everlasting we see in habakkuk 1 verse 12 he says are you not not from everlasting O lord my god my holy one who shall not die god is from everlasting and we believe that so i don't want to spend much time talking about origin but let's go further into meaning now meaning this is a tough one isn't it i think you and i all of us on a place where we are trying to find meaning what's happening right now all around us and you can search and look at your stats you can look at news you can look at your Facebook feed you can look at anywhere you want to see what is going on and the truth is the more we search for meaning it leaves us broken it leaves us confused and we see a similar thing happening with Habakkuk we see in Habakkuk 2 verse 1 he says I will take my stand at my watch post. I want to stand here. I want to see what's going on and station myself. I'm not going to move. I want to stay here on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Here we see Habakkuk saying, God, I'm, I, w- I want answers. I'm, I want to know what's going on. Nothing that I'm seeing makes sense. All of these things that I'm looking at is painful and nothing makes sense. You know, the truth is, the more we see the world around us, the more we try to find meaning by looking at what's around us, it'll leave us confused. It'll leave us discouraged. It'll leave us wondering, what is going on? Nothing makes sense. And the truth is, we look at the Bible, we see this even stated by the most wisest man that ever lived, Solomon himself. In Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2, he says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Everything is meaningless. There's no meaning in this world. The more we look at the world to find answers, you will be left looking for answers. You'll be left confused and discouraged. The only place we can find answers is when we look at God because God is all-knowing. God is omniscient. God knows everything. Our little minds have difficulty even fathoming the breadth and depth of that statement. God knows things that we haven't even conceived in our thoughts He knows our sins. He knows our inmost desires. We see that in Hebrews 4 verse 13. He knows everything. Nothing is hidden from him. find that in Job. That's another fun book to read if you want to read that book in the season. There are two aspects of God's full knowledge. The first one is prescience. Prescience talks about God knowing events before they happen. Can you believe that God knows what's going on right now? Do you really believe that or just say that? Before 2020 happened, God knew what this year will look like. God knew what's going to happen to your job. God knew what's going to happen to your health. He knows everything. Nothing is hidden from His eyes. You see this in Isaiah 42, verse 9. It says, Before the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The second thing about God's foreknowledge is pre-acquaintanceship. And this is beautiful. This is very, very beautiful. And we should learn to understand this. Because God just does not know what's going to happen. He knows how you'll feel about it. He knows how you feel right now. Even if it's anxiety, if it's depression, if it's fear, if it's confusion... He knows what you feel. He knows you at a very, very intimate level. We see this in Isaiah 1 verse 5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, before your parents were even talking about having a baby, He knew you and I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're feeling right now. And we can only find meaning when we fix our eyes on God. And not on the world around us. We see this in Habakkuk. Here's Habakkuk wondering, God, what are you doing? What's going on? And God responds to Habakkuk in chapter one, verse five. And this is beautiful. He says, Look among the nations and see. Now Habakkuk was doing that earlier, right? But he says, this time, look with my lens, look it through my eyes. And he says, Wonder and be astounded. Wonder and be astounded. When we look life in the eyes of God, there's no fear anymore. There's no anxiety because we see things differently. And he says, For I am doing a work in your days that you will not believe if I told you. God is doing something that we don't know, we don't understand, but the truth is he knows what he's doing. And Habakkuk is taught to say, Look at the world the way I see it, Habakkuk. Stop worrying. Stop freaking out. I'm in control. I know what's going on. I know everything. I am all-knowing. God is never caught off God. God is never surprised. God is never startled or spooked. Our purpose and our meaning does not come from looking at the world. It doesn't come from what we do and how healthy we are or what we can achieve on this earth. It comes from us looking at God. Our meaning and our value comes from God. The third thing I want to talk about is morality. So morality is the human attempt to define what is right and wrong about our actions and thoughts and what is good and bad about us about our being who we are. Now, the thing is, we cannot talk about morality without talking about evil, right? Because evil, if we have to talk about evil, we have to define what that is. And we cannot talk about evil without acknowledging that there is a moral giver. If you have to define what is good and evil, we have to talk about who is the moral giver. And we believe that God is the ultimate moral giver. We have seen this where human beings have taken on that ownership of saying, I'm gonna set the standard for right and wrong. People in power, and we've seen how that looks like. We've seen millions of people being killed because they thought that was the right thing to do. So obviously, we don't have the ability to distinguish truly what's right from wrong because we are selfish. So we have to look at someone who's outside of our humanity to define right from wrong. And we see this struggle because so often we put God in a box to make it look as if how I should think right and wrong should look like. And we see this struggle in the book of Habakkuk. We see his struggle to understand God's standard of morality. So first off, I want to state this. God is holy. God is holy. There is no sin in God. There's absolutely no sin. He's righteous. He's pure. There's no evil in him. We see this in Revelation 15 verse 4. There's a lot more I can share, but I just want to share this one verse. It says, He who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. The first thing is, God sets the standard of morality. He is the standard. The second thing we have to remember is that God is the one who opens our eyes to see Evil around us. It's not us, it's not you or me who's researching and finding all these things that are happening. It's actually God who reveals these things to us. And we see this in the book of Habakkuk. He realizes that in Habakkuk 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save. And look at verse 3, it says, Why do you make me see? iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong he realizes that god is the one who's opening his eyes to see what's happening around him you know church the more we think that it's our rationale our understanding of what we're seeing in the world and we think that i'm smart to understand what's right and wrong the more we kind of run in our own direction and move away from god's morality And we do things on our own. The more I can say, God, I see wickedness. And I thank you for opening my eyes to see what what you are seeing right now. There's a brokenness that comes about our hearts. And we see a change of heart in Habakkuk from chapter 1 to chapter 3. There's a huge transformation. And it's because he realizes that God is the one who's revealing things to him. It's not his wisdom. It's God's wisdom that God is showing him things that are happening all around him. The more we fix our eyes on Jesus and say, God, thank you for opening my eyes to see these things, the more we have a very, very humble and a contrite, a broken heart when we see the wickedness that we see all around us. So the first thing is God is the one who sets the standard for morality. Second thing is God is the one who opens our eyes to see what's going on, the right from the wrong. The third thing is very important too. The third thing is God wants us to respond to wickedness by still following and upholding his standard of morality. We cannot respond to wickedness in our own way. We still have to remember what God wants us to do in response to this wickedness that we see around us. And we see Habakkuk struggling with this because here's Habakkuk, right? He is from the people of Israel, the people that God himself gave the law to. They had the law from Moses that God had spoken to Moses. And Habakkuk has a hard time to reconcile the fact that in God's standard of morality, he and his people are as wicked as the people of the Chaldeans. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Habakkuk has a hard time to see that in God's eyes, everyone is fallen. Everyone is wicked. And the truth is that God's moral standard does not take a nation into consideration. This is, it has to sink in. That God does not see which country we belong to for to, to meet his moral standards. He looks at, he looks at what we are doing in response to what God has shown us. God does not see if our country's economy, if that meets to his moral standard. We can be a better nation in our wealth, but that does not make us righteous before God. And this is a hard one. God's moral standards does not take our country's constitution into consideration. If you think about this, here's Habakkuk with the constitution that God had given to Moses, to his people. And God is saying, you are wicked, and you are going to be punished for your sins. God does not see those things, dear friends. I think so often, you know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I am in this nation. I'm thankful that this country has welcomed me as a citizen of this land. I'm thankful for the blessings that I've seen God do in my own family because of my of me living here. But in God's eyes, we all are broken. Every nation is broken. Every nation needs Jesus. Because the only thing that God looks at to see if we can make it and meet his moral standards is, you know what, is Jesus Christ and nothing else and nothing else. He's the one who paid for our sins on the cross because we could never pay the debt we owed to receive the grace of God that we never deserved. And if we put our confidence, our weight on anything else but that, they're missing the point. They're missing the point. And Habakkuk had to figure this out to say, goodness, I am broken. Our nation is broken because we don't value God. Every nation under the sun needs Jesus. Every nation under the sun has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Habakkuk gets it. He gets this. In Habakkuk 2, verse 4, he says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous, the righteous have only one way to live, and that is by faith. That is by faith. The only way we can have a right standing before God is to live in faith. The only way we can actually measure up to God's standard of morality is through Jesus Christ. That's it. That is it. Habakkuk had to understand that God is righteous, that God is just, that God punishes evil that God does not show partiality. He only looks at His Son. The truth is, in this reality, we see God stirring Habakkuk's heart. His tone changes. The way He speaks to God changes. And I'm sure that God is working in our hearts right now and showing us the brokenness that's all around us to see how we have failed to add up to God's standard of morality. But the truth is, we learned this last week with the Brent Shadows about how we ought to move with God, that the way we respond to evil, the way we respond to the brokenness, that we have to be aware of how we are fighting and who we are fighting against. You know, in First Peter 1, verse 14 to 16, it says, As obedient children, I love that phrase, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all, in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is from Leviticus 20. When we learn to move with God, when we see evil, we realize that he is the one who fights our battles. He's the one who's fighting on our behalf. You see this in Exodus 14, verse 14, Deuteronomy 1, verse 30. And this verse, I'm sure all of you know this verse, Ephesians 16, verse 2. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. When we see evil, when God opens our eyes to see evil, he has a plan. He has a plan, and we have to remember that when we fight, we have to remember that are we honoring God in the way, in the manner we fight against evil? I want to remind you this, church. A battle is not about our rights and our freedoms in this land. Not about that, because ultimately, we are citizens of heaven. Our kingdom is not of this earth. I'm so thankful that we get to live here. I'm so thankful. We didn't choose that, right? I chose that, but most of you did not choose to live here, right? At the same time, our citizenship is of of the kingdom of heaven. And our battle is not about our rights and our freedoms. There are churches that are surviving and thriving and growing in places that are far worse, that are persecuted. A battle is not even about securing our religious freedoms. Okay, I want this to sink in, and I want to explain this because I think so often we, we want to fight for our rights to be able to meet and gather and sing, which I think I can see why there's a struggle there. But the truth is the bride of Christ will always stand. Amen. The church is the Lord's. It's not ours. We don't own the church. God has a way to make his bride shine, to keep her going and strong. Now, at the same time, if God is laying on your heart to stand up, to speak up, to resist, then I pray and I urge you to make sure that you are aligning with the way God wants you to do it. Be in the word. Be on your knees. Ask for counsel. I'm not saying it's wrong that, that you should stand up, but when you do that, do it with a lot of humility. Do it with a lot of reverence for God's word. Do it with brokenness. Because we cannot, we cannot act in a way that does not honor God and, and his word and his standard of holiness in the way we respond to evil. The last thing I want to talk about is destiny, okay? So we speak, we learned about how origin, meaning, morality all come from God and from his word. This is a tough one because I think, especially in the time of Habakkuk, we see him dealing with this reality that his nation, his people are going to be destroyed. That God is just, he shows no partiality. And what's next? What's next? What comes after this? We see him that God is counting his people as the ones who are going to be destroyed. But we see something change. We see changes that take place in Habakkuk's heart from chapter 1 to chapter 3. We see a drastic change in the way he sees his gloomy and dark situation. And it turns to praise. It turns to worship. It turns to glorifying God in spite of what's going on. And I want to show you how how it happens as much as I can. The first thing I want to say is that In every situation that we go through, this is the reality, in every situation that we go through as as His children, God has a way for us. God has a plan of salvation for all of us. And we see this in the book of Habakkuk. In Habakkuk 2 verse 2, and I love this verse. It's beautiful. It says, And the Lord answered me. Now, I want you to pause right there. The Lord answered me. The Lord spoke to Habakkuk, that should make us weep with joy because the Lord speaks. The Lord responds and replies to us when we talk to Him. That should bring us joy. And just so you know, the Lord speaks to Habakkuk in chapter one, but in this time, He's very, very specific. He says, Okay, Habakkuk, write the vision. This is like you go into your boss's office. He says, okay, hang on, just have a seat, write this down, right? That's kind of what Habakkuk is, is being told by God. Write this down, make it plain, write it legibly. Now, I'm thankful that Habakkuk wasn't like Bren, hopefully. Because if you haven't seen Brent's handwriting, even doctors cannot read it. So God says, write it clear. Make it clear. Make it visible. And write it on tablets, not on parchments. Make it big. Make it obvious. And why is that? So he may run who reads it. So he may run who reads it. So he may have life who reads it. If someone sees it, goodness, God is going to do some amazing things over here. And I better go. Because God's word says it's going to happen There is a way out. There's always a way out, dear friends. God always makes a way out. And we see Habakkuk sees glimpses of this of God's mercy and God's wrath, because God's character, his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his anger, all of these things are always active at the same time. His love, his mercy, his graciousness, everything is active at the same time. He says, God, in, in Habakkuk 3, verse 2, it says, O oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O oh Lord, do I fear? In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath remember mercy. Habakkuk's tone changes from anger, from frustration to saying, God, in your wrath, show mercy. Oh Lord, the righteous can only live by faith. His tone is changing. And has your tone changed with what you've been seeing happen in our country? Has your tone changed? Are you still stuck in anger? Are you still stuck in bitterness? Or is God softening your heart? Are you seeing things the way God is seeing things? Are you so stuck in your anger and bitterness? The more we see God, the more we see life through His eyes, He humbles us. He humbles us because we realize that we need Him. And in Him alone, there is meaning. In Him alone, there is comfort. The truth is, the Lord always shows mercy to His people, to His chosen ones. And we see Habakkuk having glimpses of this. And he uses a word which is very, very profound for even him. I don't think he fully understood what this word meant. He says in Habakkuk 3, verse 13, he says, You went out for the salvation of your people for the salvation of your anointed. Now, he does not say you went up to, to save your people. He says you went up for the salvation of your people. Salvation is being saved on an ongoing basis. And he also says for the salvation of your anointed. Some scholars say that he's talking about Jesus over here, the coming of the Messiah. God has given us a way out. God always provides a way. You know, Habakkuk is looking back in chapter 3 to all the things that God has done in the history of his country, saying, God, you were here, you rescued us, you fought our battles, and he's rejoicing in that. I want to remind you that we can do that too. You can look back at a time before you know Christ and how your life was and say, God, since then, even before then, you were merciful and gracious to me. And since then, you have been faithful to me all along. You've been good to me, God. I want to look back and rejoice. I want to look back and celebrate because you have been faithful to me. You know, Habakkuk did not get to see this in his lifetime, of God punishing the Chaldeans. He wasn't alive when he saw Jesus become flesh to live among us. But the beauty is we have, we know the story. We know what happens years after Habakkuk. And I want to mention this to you, those of you who don't know Jesus as your Savior. savior. Our destiny, our future, is in the hands of God. That's why we don't worry about today. That's why we don't worry about what's going to happen to our earthly bodies. We have a future, an everlasting future. All this is going to pass. Is going to make all things new. And we have the joy of living right now because we know He's with us. He strengthens us. He gives us peace for each day to live for Him. John 10 verse 9 says, this is Jesus' words, beautiful words. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the start he is the journey and he is the destination of our salvation he's with us all along the way do you have that faith do you have that joy that we have a future in god or are you still looking for your destiny for your purpose in the world around you because i think it's becoming very obvious that putting our faith in the world around us is going to disappoint a life without meaning a life without any meaning leads to a loss of purpose a life without moral absolutes leads to a loss of pleasure. A life with a destiny leads to hopelessness and death. And only in Christ we have this. And we see this. We see Habakkuk wrestle with this from the beginning. And then as the chapters go by, we say this about, about around 10 years, maybe less than 10 years of timeline between chapter 1 and chapter 3. We see a huge, huge change in his heart from anger and bitterness to, to praise and worship. Today we're going to have communion. And I think it's very, very appropriate for us to do that together because... Those of us who know Jesus as our personal Savior can celebrate know that He is with us. That in Him, we have meaning. In Him, we know what's right from wrong. In Him, we have a future. And the band can come forward if they want to. I want us to celebrate this. So if you can, please go get your, your cups and your... I think it's all-in-one kind of package deal. If You can get your packet for your, the bread and the wine. I want us to do this together. The truth is... That without this, without what Jesus did for us on the cross, we will not have this joy. We will not have this peace. The whole world can go in a basket. It doesn't matter. We have this hope in this life on earth that he will sustain us. He'll take care of us, right? And we have a, we have a hope for the future as well. And it's only only because of his son, Jesus. I thank God that, that God in his mercy revealed his son to us. I thank God that in his mercy, he showed us the way to salvation, that we don't have to be lost and confused and bewildered and broken. God has shown us the way to salvation, that we have hope in him. So let's rejoice, okay? In Matthew 6, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Let's partake in it. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said to them, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of their sins. Let's drink from it. God, we thank you for the book of Habakkuk. We thank you for showing us that in only you we can rejoice for suffering. Only in you we have a hope. We have future. We have meaning. We have purpose. Only in you, God. God, I pray that you'll, you'll break our hearts for the world around us, that you'll bring us to our knees, that we'll pray for our world. We pray for peace, that you will help us to realize that you are in control, that you are God. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, for sacrifice, for making us a way to know the Father. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers, and may you continue to love God and love others.